Hi there, everyone. I'm Gwen Jones, and welcome to this week's episode of the I'm a Rotarian podcast, the weekly podcast where I introduce you to amazing people that proudly call themselves Rotarians. Well, this week, Tom Gump joins me on the show. Tom's a district governor. Tom lives next to a city that some of the most amazing and scary racial tensions of 2020 went on. And most important, Tom Gump is probably one of the number one membership leaders in all of Rotary. He gets in Rotary members. I mean, like crazy amounts of Rotary members. I don't know if it's pixie dust or great ideas or a combination of both. Whatever it is, Tom's going to tell us all about it and the racial stuff and being a district governor and being one of the nicest guys I've ever had a chance to meet. So join me, won't you? Tom Gump is joining me for those questions on the I'm Rotarian podcast. And as always, thank you so much for joining me. Welcome back to the podcast, everybody. I have another new friend. It seems to be a weekly thing I repeat, but by the end of my podcast, I always have new friends to tell you about. This one is Tom Gump, not Forrest Gump, Tom Gump. He looks exactly like Tom Hanks. I'll show you a picture exactly. He is the district governor of 5950, which is Minneapolis, Minnesota. On a very cold day, he has decided to spend uh, time warming up and being on a podcast. Tom Gump, thank you so much for joining me today. Well, Gwen, thank you so much for having me. And Rotary is all about friendships, and I've always loved to have a new friend, and I'm glad that uh, we are friends now. Oh, yay. Thank you. Thank you. And I do joke with your last name, but you got to admit, Gump, that's fabulous. Uh, The only thing that you may have that may beat you is that we just uh, interviewed uh, Joe Beveridge, who's the president (laughs) of Russell Hampton. And so uh, uh, Gump is pretty cool. But Beveridge, I bet you, you know. I don't know. It's hard to beat Joe Beveridge. He's a great guy. I actually <laughs> met him before. He's a very he, nice man. Yeah. So Joe, Joe may have you beat on the names, but you are the <laughs> district governor of 5950. How's everything in Minneapolis these days? You know, Minneapolis, everything is going well. Uh, we actually had our district 5950 and 5960. We had Minneapolis number nine and Minneapolis number 10 get together for their annual joint meeting. And um, I had to give a little state of the district. And uh, so I did a little research and everything is going pretty well in District 5950 right now. Just chilly. It is chilly. It's just chilly. But in the grand (laughs) scheme of things, the chilly will change. So uh, let's have fun with this podcast. Let's do some of those questions. Let's find out your story and have a little fun. And of course, all of my listeners know that the very first question is, uh, what's your earliest recollection of Rotary? How did you first discover that wheel? You know, I was first asked by my next door neighbor who I work out with three times a week. And he asked me about two dozen times over a period of several months. And I finally just said yes, just so he'd stop asking me. And Gwen, (laughs) (laughs) but this is very important, I think, for your (laughs) listeners to know this, because once I went, I was hooked. And then when I ended up um, joining the club, I wouldn't take no for an answer. So I asked many of my friends, neighbors, colleagues, people from where I worship to join. So that uh, actually was very important to my formation as a Rotarian to realize that you can't give up when you're trying to bring new members in. And I think that's right off the bat. I think that's a great comment because we've asked people more than once, you know, 
somebody asked you, how many other people have you asked to come to a meeting and including myself have had this kind of deadpan look on their face of, Oh, I don't know. So that you had a friend that was just like, no, dude, I'm not going to let you on the elliptics machine until you come to a rotary meeting might be the way to do it. You never know. It worked Gwen. it really did. It really did. And so he, you, you came to a meeting, you loved it right off the bat. Did, so does that made you want to join? What made you actually like pull the trigger and actually become a rotary member? You know, it, it's really pretty simple. Everyone was very welcoming when I, I went to that meeting. Um, you know, and I went to a couple meetings, probably two or three before I joined. But I started seeing people around my town where I live um, who recognized me from that Rotary meeting. And I realized, wow, I could have more friends if I joined this club. And um, that's <laughs> why I joined initially. <laughs> well, hey, I like it. Keep it simple. I needed more you know, friends. <laughs> I need more friends. Can I come join your club? I need friends. I love it though. But then, so is anybody else in your family Rotarians or are you the solo Rotarian of your group? So my wife is a Rotarian and she Yay. didn't join my club. If I was a really good recruiter, she would have joined my club. But she joined the Adina Noon Club, which is the oldest, largest in our town. And then my son is um, a freshman in high school and he's in the Interact Club. Wow, so, so you have a multi-generational kind of thing happening. Yes, yes. That is awesome. I do, I have found this though more than once that the husband and wife or partner and partner breakup of Rotary Clubs is you are not odd in that one. <laughs> Let me tell you, Tom, we have, in fact, uh, I have some dear friends and he's more of a morning person. So he goes to the morning club and my particular club meets at cocktail hour. And so she comes to my club. Well, Gwen, it's pretty interesting because my wife was actually a Rotarian before I was. And uh, we met, I'm from Georgia, that's where I grew up. And she was working with Cargill there. And she was a member of uh, Rotary then. And I tried to become a member, but I was an assistant district attorney. And my boss, she was already a Rotarian. And they wouldn't allow two law enforcement people in the same club. So I had to wait 20 years. Uh, <laughs> wow, yeah, that's right. So um, I do have empathy for people who weren't able to join and now they're able to join because our organization is so much better if we just have, if we're more inclusive and less exclusive. Well, and yeah, in fact, uh, I, we had a, um, a classification talk at my club the other day, getting to know a Rotary member. And I was trying to ask the club, where does the word classification talk comes from and it's an old rotary word meaning you could only have in your case you only had one law enforcement person so you can't join rotary because we can't have two or three or lawyers or Mm -hmm. janitors or real estate agents or you could only have one in your club i found that fascinating as an old rule so now i have 20 years of energy i need to put forth now Because I've been waiting 20 years to join Rotary. (laughs) There you go. And you don't care how many attorneys are in your group. Is that what you're saying? I absolutely agree. You know, we don't, our club, uh, the year after I was president, we did away with classification talks. We now do five fun facts um, because we think it's more important to find out what they care about, what they think is important than it is about their job. Because some people, their job's important. Some don't want to talk about it. So we do the five fun facts and it's uh, pretty efficient and we get to know each other better. 
Yeah. And I think that our, our classification talks of almost like the, um, what you do is kind of the end. And oh, by the way, I was a banker or oh, by, by the way, I was a such and such. And now it's like, these are my kids. This is my wife. This is my husband. We lived here. We lived there. So yeah, I, I think they're changing. Yep. So what has been you? So how many years you said you've been in here, you've been waiting to be in Rotary for 20 years, but how many actual years have you been in Rotary? Well, since 2013. So I'm going on my eighth year. And you're already district governor. Look at you, Mr. Yeah. Mr. Moving up the chain. So <laughs> well, then, there's a job uh, to be done. You know? <laughs> there's a job to be done. Exactly. So then what does a Rotarian mean to you then after these eight years? Oh, that's a good question. It means so many different things. But, you know, the longer I'm in Rotary, the more I realize, Gwen, when it all comes down to it, it's a lifelong friendships that we make. It really is. I know we're people who are getting together to create change, um, but we like to do it with people who um, are our friends. And I've just mm-hmm. been so fortunate to have so many friends from around the world. And the more I get involved in Rotary, um, the better person I am because I'm spending time with good people. And I tell you, when I go to that weekly meeting, I feel like a better person because of the people that we're both hanging out with. So it, it, it makes the, the, the weekly meeting you look forward to. So out of all the meetings, especially Zoom meetings that we're doing these days, the Rotary one is not the, oh God, one more Zoom meeting. <laughs> I love all my Rotary meetings every day and I love making new friends. And it's surprising, just like you and I are connecting, how we could do that over Zoom. Yeah. I think President Holger's right. You know, in every situation, there's opportunities. And uh, I believe that we're all going to more Zoom meetings and meeting more friends this year than we ever had before. Because, you know, of course, we'd go to the International Convention, we'd go to Zone Institute. Right. But now we can go to other people's conventions and other people's institutes, and we're meeting a lot more people. I think. I, yeah, I actually really agree with that. I mean, so what, what other groups have you, have you clicked in now via Zoom? Have you been able to go hang out with? You know, actually, I've spoken to 10 different zones in the last four months. Um, See, that's, you, know, you would have never been able to do that. So here's the, the plus side of COVID, I guess, absolutely. right? Absolutely. But now I have friends in South Africa, I have friends in Australia, friends all over. Actually, we connected through a friend in Hawaii. That is so, true. Mm-hmm. That is true. So, and yeah, I mean, I have to admit, it, especially in doing this podcast now for, gosh, a year and a half now, it's, I think we get very focused on, this is just, you know, Minneapolis. This is where I work from. This is my rotary group. It gets very focused. I'm here on an island in the middle of the Puget Sound. And you can be very monotone. Mm-hmm. And one thing that's been great with Zoom is that all of a sudden you do realize there's over a million of us all over the place. And we're doing a lot of cool stuff of different you know, shapes, colors, religions, countries, origins, just yeah, so we got there's got to be some plus side to the Zoom thing, right? <laughs> and we're adding so much value to our members too. You know, when we started, mm-hmm. um, my wife was going to have a platform this year, and she was going to talk about youth exchange. Well, we didn't have youth exchange this year, uh, so what we've done yeah. is we've been focusing on racial equity. So we were able to partner up with the YMCA, um, you know, the Innovation Center in North Carolina. And that facilitator came and did nine facilitations for our district. And we would have never been able to afford that if we were flying them here all the time. Right. Um, and now some of our clubs are hiring them to do um, additional facilitations. So it is really wonderful. 
Well, and you do put a, a good tease there a little bit. You are Minneapolis. You are the home of, yes. unfortunately, the events of George Floyd. Uh, we've actually spoken with a Rotarian who was the chief of police uh, also during the summer of 2020. And he he has some very strong words about what happened that day. And he so what was it like living in Minneapolis in the summer of 2020? I mean. You know, it must have been it, a very interesting town to live in, for sure. It was, and it was scary with all the riots going on. And, you know, it's interesting because Rotarians are leaders, and we want to mm-hmm. get together, and we want to take action to change. And when you first start thinking about it, Gwen, and you're the head of a district, especially when something like that happened, you want to make a difference. But how do you do it? So mm-hmm. the first thing I did was I looked to our vision statement, and I realized that we're trying to make change across the globe, in our communities, in ourselves. So we started with ourselves and we're trying to change ourselves. And that's why those facilitations came in. But I can tell you throughout visiting our 66 clubs over the last eight months, it's interesting because they really are changing. There's clubs that are having book clubs where once a month they talk about all the books that help us become anti-racist. We have um, our club number nine is having regular meetings with um, a club in Harlem to talk about racial inequities. We have nine of our clubs that we actually partnered up with businesses in downtown that were burnt down to the ground as part of those riots after George Floyd's murder. And now they're working together to rebuild those businesses. And it's the best thing that could happen for Rotary because I tell you my traditional club, I go on a Tuesday morning, go to a country club, have breakfast at 7 a.m. And it's great. And I, I have brought in a lots of friends and they've joined. But One would argue my, the stereotypical looking Rotary Club kind of event, right? A country club. We really club. are. We're very traditional. Right. We have four business meetings months, once a month. Yes, we have socials. Yes, we have other mm-hmm. things. But um, it's it's very traditional. And what we're seeing is that works great for some people. But my friends who want to take their children to the bus stop, which is very worthy, mm-hmm. they can't come at 7.30 in the morning. So Absolutely. when we started um, forming cause-based clubs, like our Veterans Club and Human Trafficking Club, uh, the Network for Empowering Women, we started, they want to meet only twice a month. And some of their business meetings are replaced with socials or with visiting a nonprofit or things like that. So what I've come to realize is we can't just keep doing the same things, Gwen. We got to do something different. And we got to either... The clubs that we have now are the backbone of Rotary. I mean, they are great, but we need to keep them vibrant. And to do that, we may need to change meeting time, place, location, or format. Um, But if we don't have, if there's other people that we can't bring in because we are meeting at the same place and they don't live near there or they don't work near there, we need different kinds of clubs. Mm. So I, because I am a a cup half full kind of person, and it sounds like Minneapolis took truly one of their darkest moments and a rotary rotary family in said city to really expand their horizons. Like, let's try something new. We have nothing to lose. Mm-hmm. You know, we're, we're, we've got a bunch of people that feel very frustrated. We have a bunch of people mm-hmm. and we have, the world is now looking at us. What could we do? And that's, that's actually really inspirational. I don't think, because this is not getting the press. What you just said right. is in Minneapolis is not getting any press. It's not nearly as sexy yep. for newscasters to say that Rotary groups are helping rebuild and reach out to yep. 
people of color. But the main thing about this project, I mean, we've done other things. We have a George Floyd Memorial Scholarship, things like that. But the reason I like this, Gwen, is because our Rotarians who are not in the minority part of the city are going into the part of the city that does have the minorities and we're partnering up to help them rebuild the business. And it's not just we're paying for a door, or writing a check for a window. We have accountants helping them. We have marketing people helping them. We have people helping them in every kind of business way you can get help. And they're partnering together to work to rebuild these businesses. And I'm hoping that the way we end racism is not just reading books and it's not just thinking about it. Yes, it's systemic and we need to do that and we need to mm-hmm. change ourselves, but we also need to interact with others. And the only way Rotary is going to survive and do well is if we go out into the communities and bring in new people to Rotary. We don't just start clubs by taking people who are currently Rotarians. We find, <laughs> we find new people who aren't right. Rotarians and then the Rotary word spreads. And so that's why I'm so excited about this project. And it's going to take a year or so to get through it. But I feel like we're going to have strong relationships and we're going to be a much better city and we're going to be a much better world because Rotarians are interacting with others. Amen. So what has been the, what's been the uh, reaction to Rotary coming down? I mean, I, I, I've used the expression and I'll, and I, and I always joke people to people before I say something like this, that you can send your hate mail to rotarianpod at gmail.com. But I don't (laughs) want to come off as, you know, here we are, the white saviors coming in, you know, and we're going to gentrify this neighborhood and fix it up after this terrible thing happened. How, how, how is Rotary being, being, uh, what's the response to you guys coming in there and doing all this? You know, the response response has been really good. And, you know, really, it's not the apex and the peaks of the mountains. It's the day-to-day working on it. And okay. we've been working really hard in our district to make sure that we represent all of our communities, not just the white community. If you look mm-hmm. at our DG line, I'm a white male. I'm a typical Rotarian. Yeah, I'm both of us on the screen right now have to be, you know, the epitome of, of you know, I just got my, I just got my DNA done and I'm like 56% Norwegian. I mean, you, there's very few yeah. things whiter than me, but that's okay. But we have been making a concerted effort. Our, my DGE um, is a Chinese woman. She's from Taiwan. Um, my DGN is a black male. And then the DGND, District Governor Nick, nominee designate she right. is a female so we are uh we are making great strides and we're you're actively wanting progress. to look like your community in the world around you and what we're doing is we're all working together so mm-hmm. when you're a district governor you have to go visit your clubs and absolutely a, yeah i shouldn't say get to it's an honor to and when we went to these 66 clubs both my dge and my dgn came with me to every single club so now they have been to every club before they become district governor elect and district governor. And no one's seen that before. And the clubs just really appreciate it. If we could put the energy forth, they know that we care and they Mm -hmm. respond. And we've gotten so many things done this year because they know that we're caring just because we're trying hard. So a lot of it's effort. And I think whether it be the racial front or any other front we're working on, giving to the Rotary Foundation, it's how much time you put into it. It's how much effort and people respond. If you care about it and you're passionate about it, you can make it happen. And we have seen lots of progress. Awesome. Well, yay, Minneapolis, you know, I, <laughs> yay, Minnesota, you know, I mean, it's, it's not just Amy Klobuchar the, and, and, and the uh, 
the poor events of 2020. There's a few other things that are going on in that state too, you know. your football team had some issues this year, but that's okay. That's a totally different podcast. That's the sports podcast. We'll do it some other time. So what's been it? So, you know, we kind of touched already on, on um, the, the inspirational part that you're getting out of these new projects, but mm-hmm. what has been one of your most inspirational moments in Rotary? I mean, what's one that if you're thinking about right now, see, I already see your face kind of tinge a little bit. And this is a question that everybody likes. Cause I can already, I can already, you know, you know, bad for, for, for podcasts, but so you guys can't see it, but everybody gets a quick smile. So what caused that quick smile? Well, uh, the quick smile started with um, some sadness and tears uh, before it ended up being a long-term smile. Okay. So um, my family's really into youth exchange and every year since I've been in Rotary, when we were allowed to have youth exchange, we had a youth exchange program and that program and bringing in those children, having them live with you, and they become your sons and daughters, Absolutely. it changes your life. Yes. But there was one point in my life where I realized Rotary is not just a club. Because you asked me, why did I join and what I got out initially out of it? Mm-hmm. Well, what I got, I get so much more than I put in. And people mm-hmm. wonder how I can say that because I spent most of my time uh, working on Rotary, which uh, my wife, when she listens to this, will say, well, you need to go back to work. (laughs) And I am working, but. um, (laughs) I promise, honey, he's working. (laughs) I'm talking to him in his office, I swear. (laughs) So we had a boy um, named Paco. You could have called him Happy Paco because he was smiling. He was like the perfect kid. He worked really hard, always did his homework. He was um, actually... He was the best player on the soccer team and the town team because um, he's been playing in Spain his whole life on the wow. professional team for his age. But so um, about two weeks into him living with us, I came downstairs and I just found him, Gwen, just sobbing uncontrollably, couldn't stop crying. Um, so I called his mother and uh, his mother said, well, his dad had died. So oh, I said, God. okay, well, Catherine, my wife and I, with our son, we're going to get on a plane. We're going to bring Paco home. And she said, well, we're, Paco's not to come home. He's, he's going to stay with you in your house for, for the rest of the year, for the next nine months. And I couldn't figure out why, but I said, well, can we please fly you here um, and bring you know, your younger son, Danny, who was younger than he was six at the time. And then Anna, who was the younger daughter, was even younger than that. Uh, Paco was 16. So they flew here. And when she got here, she let us know that Paco's father had died via suicide. Um, oh, and it's yeah. just, and we're told by psychologists, that's the worst form of abandonment. You know, when someone's given up as a baby, you could rationalize right. they were doing it for the best interest. But as a teenager, especially mm-hmm. if you've left home for a year, you can, in your egocentric thinking, might think it was you right. that caused that. What did I do to cause? Yeah. yeah. So Rotary just came around us like no other club could have or would have. I mean, we had a memorial service at a church with over 200 people. Um, I had a friend in the Eden Prairie Club, Eden Prairie AM Club here, who experienced the same thing when he was a child. And Paco would tell him things like, I think I see my dad outside sometimes when I'm looking out my window at night. Mm -hmm. And things that Catherine and I couldn't relate to because we haven't experienced that. So, and you know, it's the little acts of kindness, like my friend in my club bringing his dog over because Paco missed his dog. So I realized at that point, Gwen, Rotary was not just a club. It was a family. So yeah. it puts a smile on my face to today. Um, but of course, it was rough to begin with. But 
Rotary special. It really is. Wow. How is Paco these days? He's doing wonderful. Absolutely. We keep in touch with all our our kids and uh, we visit them regularly too. Um, But anyway, Paco is doing great. He finished his first year at the university with good grades. Engineering um, is his degree. He's playing soccer and very happy. So it has a happy ending. has a happy ending. It really does. And he hasn't forgotten America and he went on his East Coast trip with all the other exchange students had a really ended up having a really good year but he wouldn't have if it wasn't for rotary yeah wow that's a i I was about to say that's a great story but it is a great story with some very touching moments yeah so how many how many youth exchange students have you had in total we've had seven in total wow that's (laughs) it wow and do you have and you have you already said you had one child so how many children do you have yourself we have one child. We're on the Better Late Than Never program. So. Gotcha. Okay, so you have one biological, bi- yes. one biological, and seven others trolloping around the world. So you you have a very big family. Yeah, uh, we have a very big family, and you know what? They're all Rotarians. And my son Andrew, he has um, you know, when Jennifer organized the Rolling with Rotary, yeah, which they took the van across the U.S. A couple times they stopped at our house, and Kathy Fay, who's one of a uh, Jennifer's friends gave Andrew a t-shirt and it was extra large for him at the time, but he wears that shirt like all the time. And it's his favorite t-shirt. Whenever he gets a rotary t-shirt, he just loves it. You know, he's a Paul Harris fellow. We gave him points to do that, but he's wears his pin and he goes to all our meetings and it's just great. Wow. So not only do you have seven exchange students, but they're all Rotarians to boot. I I would say that you, uh, you evangelize well, sir. (laughs) (laughs) Like I said, we get out more of it than we put in. We get more out of it, for sure. So you were talking about pins. Do you have a favorite pin? You know, uh, I have a lot of pins, but my favorite pin, okay, so this is going to sound strange, but my favorite pins I give away. So uh, when we were <laughs> So we were on our way to Korea, um, and this was the year I was about to be president of my club. And we were on a large plane. It was full of Rotarians in front of us, back of us, to the right of us, to the left of us. And people were exchanging pins. And someone gave me an otter pin, a sea otter. And it was holding a little thing. And I just love that pin. Um, but when I became president, I had a huge pin collection. And I said I wanted to bring in some members when I was president. So I actually right. brought in 31 people who were friends of mine who actually joined my club during my year as president. But every time... <laughs> Every time my friend would join, uh, I would give him a pin. Mm-hmm. Um, so I gave uh, I gave that pin away to a friend of mine, Lisa, who joined the club. So that was my favorite pin because I wow. gave it to someone and then I gave it away. But I have a big lanyard with all my favorite pins on it. And people always uh, think it's funny because I probably have a neck pain from wearing it. But I just I really love those little pins. Well, we had uh, we had uh, Ed Book on the on the podcast who who is in charge of the Rotarian pin fellowship and so by the time i got done with that i found myself i am a new pin addictive person and actually found a bag see i have a bag of the millennial pins from this is so great for podcasts because no one can see it but (laughs) i'll have to send one of these this is the pin from the convention from the millennium that is beautiful. Awesome. Isn't that absolutely gorgeous? I'll put it up that on Facebook. I fantastic. promise everybody. I love so, it. So we will swap. I'll, I'll, I have a whole sack of them. I will uh, I will get you one of my favorite pins and send it to you. 
right. So let's get to one of the questions that everybody on the podcast know and lo- knows and loves. And that's about the four-way test. Yes. Uh, it is our motto. It is yes. something we live by. It's It's something that some people have kind of said it just it's ingrained in my head I don't think about it much at all and others that find it you know very rule of law kind of thing yes and it's actually very interesting because you are a lawyer that I said that so (laughs) what does what does the four-way test mean to you how do you how do you bring it into your life well Gwen I'm really glad you asked that question because uh, recently a couple months ago I was asked to um, prepare to speak at an IRILA event in Kentucky. So okay. they'll have 155 young people there who um, need to learn about ethics. So mm. we have four people who have been assigned each of the four-way tests. So we have, um, for example, uh, Director uh, Floyd Lancia is speaking about the fourth prong. Well, I was actually assigned the third prong. So I've been thinking about this a lot. So I've been interviewing all kinds of Rotarians, kind of like what you do on your podcast, but unofficially, okay. and asking them, what does the four-way test uh, mean to you? And, and I bet you're getting different answers every time, because I know I we am, do here. But they're, all, yeah. but they're all great. So mm-hmm. um, I met um, a gentleman virtually named Rick Kite, who's a Rotarian ethics professor, and he's in Wisconsin. So he explained the four-way test as being the ethical thinking we engage in for the truth, fairness, character, and consequences. And the third prong, which I want to talk about because it means the most to me, it's funny how these things in life, how the timing is always right and seems to work right. Oh, sure. And I've just yeah. been thinking about this and now you asked me, you know, who would have known? There you go. Um, and luckily I'm preparing, it's not into April, but <laughs> <laughs> being the planner I am. So he said that the third prong of building of the four-way test Building goodwill and better friendships. Correct. All about character. And character isn't, it's defined usually as the virtues and traits of a person who has a purposeful life. So honesty, generosity, kindness, wisdom, and courage. And all those things to me lead to purpose and lead to happiness. Um, And I think of all the prongs, and it's not just because I've been assigned this, this is my prong. Yes, of course, it's all the other prongs are important. And we use them in our business life. We use them in our personal lives, our professional lives. Right, but right. this one, the building goodwill, you can't build better friendships by meeting someone once. If I talk to you today and we've mm-hmm. started our friendship just around this conversation, but if I don't keep up with you, Gwen, like Ron, our right. PDG friend in Hawaii who recommended right. me to you, if I don't keep up with Ron, I'm not being a good friend. So but it's not hard to be a good friend because, you know, when I teach my son's confirmation class, you know, I say, well, I ask them about, you know, their relationship um, with God. I say, hey, what is your relationship with your friends? You spend time with your friends. You communicate with your friends. Right. And Rotary gives me a way to do that. But it gives me the tool to have friends all around the world and meet with them regularly, either in person or virtually. So I just feel so lucky to be in Rotary because I feel like it's filled a big void in my life that I wouldn't have. And I would, I mean, you think about it. Most of us Rotarians, our car repair person, it's a Rotarian. Our dentist, it's a Rotarian. Our financial planner, it's a Rotarian. So, and it's not because, sure, we try to do business networking because it's, they have similar values and similar mores, mm-hmm. and it just makes us better people for being in Rotary. 
Yeah, I, I agree. I also think it's very interesting that with the four-way test, it takes kind of the um, initial tags out of it, like uh, religious tags out of it or political mm-hmm. tags out of it right. or, you know, even, you know, racial tags out mm-hmm. of it. It's like, here's this four-way test. And because of this four-way test is non-denominational, non you know, political, non whatever, it's a great place to start. And I know then that if we get down to the nitty gritty, there might be stuff that we may disagree with, but the majority of stuff we're going to start off right off the bat agreeing with because we're all going to work on that, on that four way. And isn't it great that we can be with people who are from different religions and different races and different beliefs? Because I think we can't grow as individuals if we stay with people who are just like ourselves. And really we can't build teams if we are, hiring people who are just like ourselves, or we are hanging out with people just by ourselves. And Rotary basically greases the wheels to allow us to meet people of different cultures and different religions and different beliefs. And mm-hmm. I'll tell you, nothing is more fun than going to an international convention and seeing everyone in the traditional garb and, and having people from Bangladesh slap you on the back and say, Rotary brother, yeah. <laughs> Rotary sister, Rotary I family. I love it. It's just wonderful. Yeah, and it, I I think it 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 opens up it it like I said when we when we have that focus kind mm-hmm. of thinking where we have blinders on it is wonderful to be able to expand it that way to all have that in common. So mm-hmm. then it leads us to service above self. Yes. The other motto. Yes. Okay. Uh, what does that one mean to you? It means a lot to me because I feel like you know there was a Rabbi Hillel once said. If I'm only for myself, if I'm not for myself, who is for me? But if I'm only for myself, who am I? If we just care about ourselves and we're not caring about other people, we are are not happy people. I mean, all the studies that I read, Gwen, say that if you're involved and you're doing things for others and Mm -hmm. you're putting people's other people's needs above yourselves, you're a happier person um, and you're full of gratitude. And, you know, I think that's another time when I became a Rotarian with a capital R Instead of a small R is when my friends asked me to go to Honduras for a French a fresh water project. And I looked at other communities and I saw, wow, these people have an infant mortality rate of 85%. 85% oh. of their babies are dying because they don't have fresh water. And we can give just a little bit of money and have a huge return in making their lives better. And seeing the villages ahead of time that we helped, and now right. their kids are happy in school, dancing. Uh, the female students aren't, you know, dropping out of school to carry water. They're staying in school. It makes me realize how much I have. And I really want to get my son, you know, it's been hard with him being in school to take off to go to a foreign country. But that service is so important. And, you know, when we're starting these new clubs, especially the e-clubs, I always tell people, you've got to have the service component. You know, we yeah. have, and even though we have cause-based clubs that might focus on just ending human trafficking, they still have the five avenues of service. Like right. our veterans club, when we first started the first ever um, club to serve veterans, you know, they say, well, what are the five avenues of service? Do they serve kids? Well, of course they do. They do toys right. for tots. Right. But having that service keeps them engaged and keeping them engaged keeps them in rotary. And that's good for everybody. So it is essential to the success. Yeah. And I, and I think it's also, uh, I think the service above self is also, um, I think it's what's going to keep us going. The more and more yes. millennials that I keep talking to, especially on the podcast, that's their whole thing. I mean, they, they really don't want to have lunch. They don't have time yep. for it. Or they don't really want to do the traditional type meetings. They want to be out there doing something. 
You're right, Gwen, but their service is a little bit different. Most of the millennials, like when I was told to grow up in service, I, I was told, go serve. So I joined my Rotary Club. And what do we do? We pick up trash along the highways, yeah, we raise we people's yeah. yards, we make sandwiches. <laughs> but the millennials want to have great impact in one area. And so I that's agree. why I'm so high on starting these clubs, because when we start the network for empowering women that we just chartered a month or so ago with 55 women, they're joining because they want to work on women's issues. Um, gotcha. So Rotary, the backbone of Rotary are the clubs we have, but to grow Rotary, you know, we have to keep our current club strong, but we have to give different opportunities. You know, when we chartered the end human trafficking club, a couple of weeks after there was a new member um, who was on, virtually. And mm-hmm. as she was from Turkey, and I was like, oh, that's cool. That's a country we didn't have. I mean, we had people from all over the world, but we didn't have Turkey. A couple hours later, I get an email um, from President Mark Maloney, who was uh, the person who took 20 of us from North America, brought us to Evanston and trained us along with RI staff and the RI North American directors on how to start new clubs. You know, he said, my sister just joined your end human trafficking club. I think you were at the meeting. Wow. And I've been trying to get her to join Rotary for over 40 years, four zero. <laughs> so it's kind of like this one. I mean, we have a house and we might have a garage with two cars in it and they might fit too many Coopers. I'm in an old mm-hmm. house. Um, but if we have somebody that's got an RV and wants to park in our garage, let's form a new garage. Let's form a new club because mm-hmm. obviously we have lots of clubs you know, we have 36,000 of them worldwide. But if there is a club that doesn't fit someone, let's start a club for them so they can serve Rotary. Because I've gotten so much from Rotary. I want everyone to be able to join so they can get so much out of it like I have. Well, and I, I'm sure if you've, you've heard of Brian Rush and he has the yes. the group of, of Global Impact. And we had him yes. on the show a couple weeks ago. And his whole thing was, I couldn't find a traditional group I liked. So I made an international group and I and I popped in on one of his weekly meetings and there was somebody there from New York and there was somebody there from France and there was somebody there from a country in Africa. And there was some and that was their group. That was their their weekly meeting was an absolute international. So is this the future? Just making these kind of tailored Rotary Clubs? You know, it's part of the future. And uh, Brian is just a great guy and his club is just wonderful. And he uh, motivated us to start Global Horizons, which is a club that we are in formation right now starting. But I do think it's a way, like you said, people want different formats. And if it's meeting virtually, I think, yes, it's part of our future. And I think we can do it. And like Holger says, President Holger says, Rotary opens opportunities this there's a lot of blessings that came out of this pandemic and these virtual meetings is one of them your podcast is is a blessing that came out of this i think we can have more virtual clubs i mean we're starting clubs right now in my district in addition to the one i just started we're starting three international rotaract clubs that are virtual one to serve autism um one to serve peace um, and one to serve the environment. And I mean, these clubs, they're going to be forming and they have enough members to form now, but they want to be of, you know, to have 20 or 25 to make sure they don't go away. Um, we couldn't have done that without the pandemic, probably, because we wouldn't have just been thinking about it and trying it. You wouldn't have been thinking of it as a virtual experience. You would have thought right. of it as a physical experience, like meeting right. someplace. Right. Right. Now, I still think people in those clubs need to do um, projects in their area and service, real life service in those areas. But those clubs, you know, in our district last year, we formed a few new clubs. Um, 
And it ended up in our paired zone of 23 districts. It's no coincidence that we not only had the largest membership growth, but we also had the most number of new clubs. Now, I'm not saying we don't need our current clubs because we really need our current clubs. Mm -hmm. But what we're seeing this year is the clubs we started last year are actually growing. Um, So we need a combination of both. Well, let let me, Tom, let me break down these clubs a little bit more for for people who, because I have a few questions. So are these legitimate, I think it's not legitimate, it's such a harsh word. Are these like chartered rotary clubs? Are these fellowships? Are these e-clubs? What what are they action clubs? Because I know that seems to be one that, that people get all confused. I had I had the job this year of joining an action club. And my first thing yes. was, what's the difference between an action club and a fellowship? And right. so tell me a little bit more about about exactly how these clubs are and then how can they be chartered? Are they rotary clubs? Sure. I'd love to answer that question. And of course we have rotary action groups um, and there's 25 of those and they work on causes and we have fellowships, which are more fun, um, but you can't start a fellowship for everything. You know, I did some research because I was thinking, (laughs) I think they try to, there's a lot of them, but you know, there's, there's requirements Gwen, like you have to have a booth at the international convention and those kind of things. So not everything Mm -hmm. is meant to be, but what I'm focused on and what we're focusing on our district is starting new clubs. Now there's all different kinds of clubs and there's club models. You could have passport clubs and satellite clubs. You could have Rotaract clubs. Um, But the ones that I'm talking about are actual clubs. Um, And I like to form clubs that have to form a club, you need 20 people to form. I was going to say 20, 25 yeah. people. Right. Yeah. Okay. Now a satellite club isn't really a club. It's a satellite off a sponsor and you only need really um, eight people to start a satellite club. And then Rotaract clubs, they recommend now 12, but there's not a requirement. Mm-hmm. Rotaract clubs are usually people who are younger in their career, 18. And aren't ready for maybe the big R yet. Right, right, okay. right. And there's less dues and things like that. But Rotaractors are very important because they're the pipeline that's going to feed Rotary in the future. Absolutely. So they're all important. Um, you know, it's funny because, you know, people start clubs for different reasons. And sometimes we're motivated to start clubs because we want Rotary to grow. Of course we do. But what I want to do is I want to start clubs where people have a reason to stay because most of our Rotarians leave within the first two to three years. So how do you get them to stay? You give them a cause, a cause that Rotary can be the magnet around and they can attract people to it. You know, like the veterans club I talked about, you know, our traditional Rotary clubs, Gwen, they're mostly composed of people who live in the area or work in the area. But these these non-traditional clubs like the vets club pre-COVID, there were people driving an hour and a half and two hours to come to this (sighs) meeting. And it's not about bringing just veterans together. It's about the purpose of veterans serving other veterans. So we have a pastor in it whose son-in-law is in the military. He's not in the military. The head sheriff at Hennepin County, he's, he's um, he's not there. Mm-hmm. He's not a veteran, but he's in that club. Right. But the important thing I really want, if I want one people to take one thing to take away from my spiel, <laughs> it's <laughs> that anyone can start these clubs, Gwen. You know, mm-hmm. I'm not, you know, I'm in Minnesota. We don't have an active military base anywhere. And they're not a defunct military base anywhere in our state. Right. And yeah. I'm not a veteran. So if Gump could do it, anybody could do it. So um, these clubs, so yeah. if I'm understanding, these are like real, real clubs though. So you can't. Mm-hmm. You can't, these aren't like fellowships. Like I'm a, I'm a member of probably 10 fellowships. So these are yeah. not fellowships. This is 
this is the the Rotary Club of Veterans, whatever. I don't know what it is. Sorry, I'm butchering that for you. But that would be my club. That would be the club. That is a, it's a real club. They're doing real service projects. And when you watch them go, Gwen, it's amazing. And you know what's amazing to me is they do things differently than my club does. And I love my club. I would never leave it. I brought 60 people into it. So I'm never going to leave it. All my friends are in that club. But the veterans, within a few weeks, they went to a grant management seminar and we gave them DDF to do a project, which was to take a homeless home for veterans and redo the first floor to make a community room where they can play. But you know what they did? They went and asked the Lions for money, and they got $1,000 from the Lions. I would never have thought, why don't I ask I, another no, service No, we don't club? play in their sandbox. <laughs> this is our sandbox. You know, so yeah, they're doing right. things differently. They're doing the things they want to. And um, so what I want people to do is I want them to reach out in their communities, and I want them to bring more Rotarians in so they can realize what Rotary can do to them. And it's important that they know, listen to what's important to them. Because when we started these clubs, you know, I didn't say Rotary has to be number one. And most people are starting clubs. We bleed blue and gold. We live Rotary right. um, or Cranberry for uh, the Rotaract. Rotaractors, right. But um, if you put their cause first, when you're recruiting them, say Rotary can help you with its 116 year uh, reputation, with its global grants, with this global network. But we're here to do something for the veterans. We're here to do something for the homeless. We're here to do something for autism. They become Rotarians. When they find out we're going to eradicate polio, we help start the UN. They end up being true Rotarians in the truest sense with a capital Mm -hmm. R. But when we recruit them, sometimes we have to put their cause first, listen to what they want, and help them do what they want to do. Um, And you know what? If we don't have new type of clubs, we might lose some of our members. You know, we had a coalition between my district, the district to the north and the district to the south to end human trafficking. We had that for three years. Then some of their leaders came to me and said, we're quitting Rotary. And I was like, how can you quit Rotary? Right. And they said, Tom, you don't understand. We maybe get one speaker a year. We had a champion in each of the clubs in all mm-hmm. three districts. We might get one project a year. We might get one speaker a year, but our folks want to work on this more. They want to do other projects too. But most of the clubs say, well, we know we have literacy to work on, which is a great cause. And we want freshwater project, which is a fantastic cause. But mm-hmm. we want to focus on this one cause. Okay, start your own club. Oh, we can't do that. It's hard. It's not hard. There's five mm-hmm. pieces of paper. and One of them you don't really have to follow because it's a form. Um, you just put your name on it and send it in. But we tell them we can help you form a club. And they do. And then it's just – and they all start the same – if they come from a Rotary Club, they say, well, I can't leave my own club. I said, you don't need to leave your own club. We don't want you to leave your own club. Mm-hmm. We want to have more partners to do more things. But it's not that hard to do. And that's what I want people to know about. And if I had to think of three things you need to do to start a new club, I would say get a cause because, and it doesn't matter if it's a Rotaract club or a satellite club off of a right. regular club, you have a cause that brings people in and keeps them to stay until they get those lifelong friendships. Two, I would have partnerships. I would go out to other groups who are doing including things, the lions, including the lions. Go out to <laughs> everyone because you know what? I think everyone should be a Rotarian <laughs> right. because if they want to be, if they have the same morals, we they do. They can be bilingual. Same. You can be a lion and a Rotary. There is absolutely, not a and I have a friend who is both. <laughs> there you and go. And then I would I would involve young people because they have a lot of energy and they have a lot of passion. So if I had to come up with the holy trinity of membership, that's what I would say. Wow, I. I am a huge historian, so I'll I'll be the devil's advocate for a moment. 
is doing Please. is 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 making clubs like this. We already have very few clubs that have sergeants of arms anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, very clubs nowadays are getting less and less from paying fines. I know our club mm-hmm. doesn't mm-hmm. do the fines anymore. We are with doing these types of hybrid clubs like these and these new kind of clubs like this. Are we are we losing the tradition of Rotary? And is that is that not necessarily a bad thing? Is that a you know? You know. I heard President Holger speak um, on Tuesday, or maybe it was Wednesday, but he was saying that very few organizations can last for 116 years. It was the 23rd because it was our anniversary. But in order to do that, we need to adapt. We have a strategic plan that has four action steps in it. And one of those action steps is adapt. If we don't adapt, Gwen, we're not going to survive. We're going to die. Whole, the whole Darwin now, thing. Now, yeah. if, if we want our traditions to stay alive, we have to be more flexible. We have to be more creative. And that's what the council legislation in 2019 um, did. It made it more flexible. And by bringing mm-hmm. in rotor actors, we're more flexible. That flexibility will allow us to be more inclusive. And if we're more inclusive, you know, I would always tell my club when I was president, you know, if we bring in more people, we'll have more hands to do more service. We'll have more people spreading the word about our good club. We'll have more people money giving TRF. When I was president, we not only grew more than we ever did before. We actually had more. We had more people become Paul Harris fellows, 16 people, and we had more money for our foundation. I mean, we just knocked it out of the park in every area because we just had more people working on it. We need the same with rotary. Um, if we think that we can keep on, we're declining in membership in North America, Gwen. I hate yep, to be. Absolutely. It's it's brutal if you look at the numbers. We broke two records in Rotary last year. We lost, we brought in more members than we ever did, over 150,000, more than we ever did in our 116-year history. But we also lost more members, and we lost more members than we brought in. And it's not all over the world, but North America, Great Britain, some of the older established countries, we're losing people. If Which takes me up, back to that question. Is it is yep. it because we're just so stuck in our old traditional ways and there's some people who want to hold on to those old ways until they're white knuckling it? I think we could white knuckle it and we can grow at the same time. My theme okay. for my district conference, we're building a peace force. And the tagline we came up with is we're rooted in service, but we're growing in new ways. It's like a tree, right? The roots and the roots. Nice. nice. We have our old, and I have some of my best friends, our older PDGs who like their club the way it is. And they'll yep. tell me, Tom, I don't care if we lose new members. We're still having impact. North America is still giving more to the foundation. And I'm trying to say his name will be, name. I won't say his name, but right. I'm telling him, you can do this. Now, his wife, she said, he said, my wife only joined a traditional club. She's actually joining our Global Horizons Club, which is a non-traditional club that's forming right now. We got about 25 people. We're going to wait till we get about 30 before we charter. But she's joining that club because she's really into youth exchange. Um, she was on our district board as you know, the youth exchange district board member. And but she loves it because it's kind of modeled the same way Brian's is. We have people uh-huh. who are former. Um, GSC, where they would go on a global study exchange. We have former Rochex. Right. We have a Peace Fellow person. We have a, a person who's an honorary member because she's actually a current Peace Fellow and she has to get through the program before she joins. But right. all these people who love to travel and do service, she wants to be a part of that club. Um, so we have to have a club for everybody, but we keep our traditional clubs. We grow them. We make them vibrant. Yes, I think we need to tweak maybe meeting place format. Mm-hmm. Um 
you know, but the thing is, Gwen, changing a club that's been around for a hundred years is difficult because right. you have to change a culture and to change a culture, you have to change people and changing people is not easy. No. So why not keep that club? If there is a, another, if there is five or six people, let's say eight people want to go to breakfast instead of lunch, let them be a satellite club. They're still part of that club, but they're a satellite club. Mm-hmm. Um, if I can just tell you a brief little story. Sure. Uh, we had a club who was a lunch club and they were losing people. So they said, we're going to change to breakfast. They changed to breakfast lost a bunch of people. So what did they do? <laughs> they changed back to lunch and they lost a they bunch of people. They still didn't get those people, people back again. Yeah. Right. Yeah, whenever yeah, yeah. I have a bad example, I never use a name, but right. I'll use a name if it's a good example. Now we have the Rotary Club of Egan, who was meeting at one time. They started a young professionals group because they wanted to meet at night because the young professionals, a lot of them couldn't take off during the day and they right. didn't want the cost of the fixed price meal and they wanted to meet at a bar and socialize. Now they have grown. Not only that club has grown and now it's its own club. So now we have two clubs in Egan, but both clubs have grown because we're reaching out in the community. The word's getting out. We're bringing people in. We need to be flexible. I don't care Mm -hmm. if you're an existing club or you're a new club. But the reason I like new clubs is because you're taking a culture that already exists. So you don't have to change people. And I'm really good at saying, what do you want? Because when you start a club, a lot of people say, I'm going to start it like my club. It's going to meet at a country club in the morning. We're going to have four right, business meetings. Right. You can't do that and be successful. You say, what do you guys want to do? And mm-hmm. as long as we follow what's in the Rotary bylaws, as long as we do service in the five areas of service, they can do all things but focus on one area and they're much happier. Yeah. And I can tell you, Gwen, since we started this Veterans Club, you know, they started one in Houston. I'm helping people start them in Florida, North Carolina, Georgia, Mm -hmm. West Coast, one in South Africa, the Human Trafficking Club. There's another one that just started in Kansas. There's one starting in L.A. I talk to people every day who listen to great programs like yours. Thank you so much for doing this. And they'll call and say, how do I do this? And I Mm -hmm. say, it's not hard. We'll help you. There's all kinds of people, Gwen, built to help them. We have rotary coordinators in every area. We have independent club advocates. We have district membership chairs. We have people, some of the districts are starting new club specialists. So there's all these people to help. I just want them to know that we can, they can do it with our help and it's not hard. And, and it's funny because I think people think, you know, I mean, the, the your words are very inspirational. I'm sure there's people that are listening to my voice going right now. Yeah, sure. piece of cake to start one but it it, you know these fellowships are popping up all over and so if you're telling me it's a couple more pieces of paper and I actually have a club that is that is intriguing for sure you know it's either three or four pieces of paper depending if it's a rotaract club satellite club or a regular club but you know it's not hard if Gump could do it, anyone could do it. If Gump could do it, anybody <laughs> could do it. There you go. Get that on a rotary t-shirt. If Gump can do it, anybody can do it. Well, we're just about ready to, to finish up and I can let you get back to work before your wife thinks all you're doing is playing with rotary. Um, we do have a question that always, you know, we always talk about is how rotary would, would grow in the future. But I think you've kind of nailed that one. I mean, do you think this is the future? These different types of clubs think- like this? I think it's a big part of the future. And all I can tell you is looking at our zone pairs. Again, we're the district that growed, grew, and we're the district that started. Growed. I'm into growed. That's okay. I'm sorry. You growed. <laughs> Use that college education. I have so many things I want to say, and it's hard to fit it all in. So I'm just going to make up words. And, you know, I like growed. The true expert makes up words because That's then right. thinks, he must know what he's talking about. You growed big time. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever it is, I want it to grow. Yeah. You want it to grow. Mm-hmm. So... 
which leads us to our last question, which is the one that's so much fun and and I love because some people when I, when I actually send the questions ahead of time, some people like have it down like they've practiced and and I didn't send you these questions, so you get to do it right off the cuff here. And that's the famous elevator speech. So if you and I are on an elevator and I don't know you, but I noticed your rotary mm-hmm. pin and I know nothing about rotary, yeah. and I say, so what's with all this rotary stuff? Why would I want to even be a Rotarian anyway? What would you tell me? I would tell you, I would ask, you know, and this is going to sound interesting because most people have that elevator speech. I'm not much into the elevator speech. I'm more into listening to what they want. And when people ask me about Rotary, I wear a pin and they do ask me about it. And I do respond mm-hmm. with usually using the vision statement. But really what gets people sold, Gwen, is they say, hey, I see you're hosting a, a an exchange student. And someone will come up to you at a restaurant and say, how did you do that? Or I go to Ah. Honduras for a project. How do you do that? Well, there's this great organization in Rotary. Because Rotary, different, there's so much value in it, but people get value for different things. And you, as an individual, might get different value when you start than when you end. When young people join, they want to rub shoulders with people of significance in their industry to further their career. But, you know, and we've done surveys in our district where we ask all 3,500 people, what, why did you join Rotary? Why did you join Rotary? Right. Yeah. Then why did you stay in Rotary? And sometimes that answer is very different. You might join for networking, but you might stay for the service. But when it all comes down to it, when it's all said and done, and the more I'm in Rotary, it's those lifelong friendships that I wouldn't have met these people. I mean, you know, my DG classmate um, in Africa, we're doing projects with her. My club is doing club grants. We're doing district project grants. We're doing global grants with her. I would have never met her, but for Rotary. So I'm wow. just so thankful to Rotary. And no matter how much I could work for the rest of my life trying to do good things for Rotary, I'd never be able to repay the organization back for what it's given me. Oh, well, you, you can't get much a better ending than that. Tom, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. This was such a joy. I I feel that uh, Minneapolis District 5950 is in very good hands. And I, and I have to openly agree with you. I think that Zoom, as much as we all had to be under a, a lockdown to get Zoom etiquette and to get the Zoom knowledge that we have, I think in our case with Rotary, it may have just been a blessing in disguise that, you know, might even save our, or save our clubs, you know, that now we can meet this way with such a joy. And, and I have a new friend in Minneapolis when, when I'm able to get out of my house, I will definitely have to come in the spring or summer. We cannot wait to come in spring or summer. (laughs) (laughs) You do have a friend in us and we can't wait for you to come visit. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you so much, Tom. Truly my pleasure. Thank you. I'm packing my bags right now and off to Minneapolis I will go. Thank you so much, Tom, for being a part of the podcast today. So what do you guys think? Was it pixie dust? Does he really have some amazing ideas? Is Zoom with us to stay? And is that not necessarily a bad thing? I think hybrid is the catchy word when it comes to Rotary in the future especially Rotary Clubs. The future is digital. Thank you again, Tom. Well, it's that time of the show again. You know the routine. Tell a friend, subscribe, download. But I do have a little bit more to tell you about this week. I'm hopping the pond. That's it. I have a radio show as well as a podcast. Rotary Radio UK has added me, me, 
to their lineup. That's right. I play music, I tell amazing rotary stories, and I have a lot of fun. So check them out, won't you? Rotary Radio UK. I'm the only American with my funny accent. Check me out Wednesday nights, 8 o'clock if you're in the UK. I think it's 3 o'clock if you're on the East Coast and 12 noon if you're here Pacific. Rotary Radio UK. The name of the show is Greetings from America. Join me, won't you? Until next week, have a wonderful week. Take care of yourself and the world around you, and we'll hear you next time on the I'm a Rotarian podcast. Thanks again, everybody. Everybody.